We're going to look at Acts chapter 8, and I'm going to read uh, verses 1 through 8. should be on the screen as well. So Acts chapter 8, verses 1 to 8. And Saul approved of his execution. And there arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. Devout men buried Stephen and made great lamentation over him. But Saul was ravaging the church and entering house after house. He dragged off men and women and committed them to prison. Now those who were scattered went about preaching the word. Philip went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed to them the Christ. And the crowds with one accord paid attention to what was being said by Philip when they heard him and saw the signs that he did. For unclean spirits, crying out with a loud voice, came out of many who had them, and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was much joy in that city. So there was much joy in that city. So last week, Jake uh, beautifully led us through Acts chapter 7 and the stoning of Stephen. And this was the beginning of some very intense persecution for the new church. And unfortunately, the persecution was from people who should have known better. If they had read their Old Testament Bibles correctly, they would have seen clearly who Jesus was. That Jesus was and is the Messiah. Jesus is the one who Moses wrote about in Genesis 3.15 as the one who would come and crush the head of Satan. If they would have read Leviticus correctly, they would have understood that Jesus was the high priest and the Passover lamb. If they would have opened their eyes to the Psalms, they would have seen that Jesus is the anointed one, the protector and deliverer of his people. If they would have only paid attention to the prophets, they would have realized that Jesus was the one who was pierced for our transgressions. He was the one who poured out his soul to death. He was the one who was born of a virgin. He was the one who came with righteousness and salvation, riding humble and mounted on a donkey. But instead, the religious leaders closed their eyes to the scriptures and reviled Jesus as a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. And when people started to worship the true King Jesus, they started to kill them. Now, immediately following the martyrdom of Stephen, the believers begin to be hunted down by a man named Saul, who ravaged the church, it says, entering house after house and dragging off men and women and putting them in prison. But just wait, because as we continue to go through Acts, you're going to see something miraculous happen to this man named Saul. Now, you would think that this would be the end of the movement, right? 
after all that persecution that started to take place and how intense it was, you'd think that the new believers in Christ would get scared and back off, uh, leaving uh, their faith behind them. But that's not what happened. Actually, the, the opposite of what the religious people wanted to happen, happened. The church began to spread. Yes, they scattered, but not to hide in a cave or in their closets at home. But to spread the name of Christ across the known world. Verses 4 to 8 tell us about a man named Philip who went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed Christ to them. And then it tells us what happens when the gospel of Jesus is preached and lived out in a city. Unclean spirits come out of people. The paralyzed and lame walk again. The sick are healed. People rejoice over what God is doing. And, verse 8 tells us, there was much joy in that city. There was not much joy just among a few people. But rather, a whole city is transformed by the gospel of Jesus. That is what happens when Christ is preached. Do you know what happens when people turn from their evil ways? They start treating one another with grace and dignity. Do you know what happens when people begin to understand their true identity and meaning to life? People find satisfaction and purpose in their lives. Do you know what happens when people see that every human being is created in the image of God? Discarded babies are picked up from the town garbage dump and taken home. Do you know what happens when people understand that God reached down in human form to rescue and serve his people? They begin to look outside of themselves in order to serve the needs of others in the name of Jesus. Do you know what happens when the gospel propels a woman named Sarah Scarborough to love the unlovable, to care for those whom society has written off and discarded as criminal? The rate of those men and women going back to prison falls from 70% to 1%. When Christ is proclaimed, lives are transformed. Communities are changed. And God's kingdom advances. Even in the face of hardship and persecution. But what is it about Christ that causes such a disturbance and yet brings so much joy? Well, let's think about it this way for a moment. What if Philip had gone down to the town of Samaria and brought enough gold and silver to make every person in the town a millionaire? Would that have brought the same joy to those people? Would people treat one another differently? 
Would people start to look out for each other's needs and sacrifice to serve them? Would they be upset because it was only a one-time gift? Would their hearts be changed to be more generous than more greedy? Would the divorce rate drop? Would their love for God increase? Would they go to church more? Would they have experienced deep friendship and fellowship with one another? Would they examine their hearts more to root out the sin that dwells inside of them? What is it about Jesus? What is it about Jesus Christ that brings great joy? You see, every person in this room has to answer this question. You cannot ignore Jesus. More brick and mortar have been used to erect structures in the name of Jesus than any other. More hospitals have been built in the name of Jesus than any other. More orphans have been taken care of and adopted in the name of Jesus than any other. More homeless shelters have been created in the name of Jesus than any other. More counseling centers have been established in the name of Jesus than any other. More books have been written about Jesus than any other human in history. More marriages have been restored in the name of Jesus than any other. More friendships have been reconciled in the name of Jesus than any other. More suicides have been prevented in the name of Jesus than any other. More prayers have been answered in the name of Jesus than any other name that has ever existed in the history of the world. Jesus is everywhere. You cannot get away from him. His buildings are on every street corner. His followers are in every city, town, municipality, and village on the planet. His followers are in every grocery store, every school, every neighborhood, every workplace, every restaurant, every coffee shop, every sports team. We are everywhere. You may say, well... At least I can drive home, and then I can ignore him. Oh, no, you can't. Because every blade of grass in your yard grows because Jesus allows it to grow. Every flower that you plant, every tomato in your garden exists because Jesus says it can exist. Every leaf that falls from the trees that bears its beautiful colors is because Jesus speaks the colors of it into existence. Every drop of rain that pours down from the sky and every individual snowflake that falls comes from the storehouses that he has in heaven. You cannot ignore Jesus. No matter who you are, you have to do something with him. You don't have to care care about Trump or Biden. You don't have to care about Jeff Bezos, Mark Zuckerberg, or Bill Gates. You don't have to care about Gandhi or Luther or Calvin or Nelson Mandela. You don't even have to care about me and Andrew or Jake. But you have to care about Christ. You have to do something with him. C.S. Lewis is often quoted as saying that you have three choices when it comes to who you think Jesus Christ was. He was either a liar, a lunatic, or he was Lord. If you ignore him, 
or try to ignore him, the life you choose to live will will lack the joy it was created to have. You you may think that you're finding joy in life without Jesus, but to tell you the truth, it is a counterfeit joy. It's shallow, it's fickle, and it will not last forever. Forever. You might get 70 to 80 years of joy out of building and spending wealth, living a promiscuous lifestyle, having a successful career, or centering your life around your children. But one day you will die, and everything that you hold near and dear will die with you. And you will stand before God and his judgment throne. And with your hands full of your accomplishments, your trophies, and your bank account records, and none of it will matter to God. And at that moment, you will understand. You tried to find joy in everything and everybody else except the one who truly matters Jesus Christ. And it will be a sad day because the Bible tells us that you will be cast away into the lake of fire where there will be no joy, only weeping and gnashing of teeth and the eternal fires of hell. So what is it about Jesus? Jesus is neither a liar or a lunatic. Jesus Christ is Lord, right? He is the creator of the universe and sustainer of all things. He is the God of gods and king of kings. Jesus is the one who fearfully and wonderfully made you. Jesus is the most glorious being that has ever existed or will ever exist. Jesus is the one who knows you for who you really are. He sees past that outer shell that we have. And looks into our sin-sick hearts that only knows how to do evil, and yet he still loves us. Jesus is the one who chooses not to look past your wretchedness, your unfaithfulness, your whoredom after other gods. But instead, Jesus is the one who takes all of it and places it upon himself. Jesus is the one who out of his purest of pure mercy and his richest of rich grace bears upon himself every sin you have ever committed or will ever commit. He takes every evil thought, word, deed, and motive and smears it on himself. Jesus became ugly and dirty and filthy so that you could be clean and pure and righteous. Jesus is the one who takes all of your shame and willingly, even the Bible tells us, even with the joy set before him, goes to the cross. Jesus is the one who died for you in your place, hung on a tree that you should be hanging on. 
So if you bow your knee to this Jesus, confessing that you have spit in his face and taunted him with your rebelliousness and tried to find joy and satisfaction in everything but him, and you turn away from such blasphemy and turn in faith to Jesus, not with an I'll try harder and do better attitude, that's not what he's looking for, but with complete and utter abandon, acknowledging that Jesus and Jesus alone can save you from yourself and for himself. Then and only then will you begin to even understand this joy that is deeper than the ocean and wider, the Bible tells us, than the east is from the west. This is a joy that will sustain you through your greatest heartache and your happiest moments. It is a joy that will not end when you leave this earth. It will last forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever. Do you want some of this joy? Then take Jesus. But you may still be asking the question, what is it about Jesus? Let me tell you a little bit more about it because I got more time. Matthew one twenty three, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. A virgin, one who has never been with a man before, will conceive a child by the Holy Spirit, and his name, Emmanuel, which means God with us, which means God wants to be with you. This is who Jesus is. Luke 1, 31 and 33, an angel comes to Mary and says, And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. This is who he is. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. In his, of his kingdom there will be no end. Don't you want to be a part of a Jesus who reigns forever and his kingdom will have no end? John 1, 1 to 5 and 14, very familiar. In the beginning was the Word, which is Jesus. And the Word was with God and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him. And without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life. And the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen His glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. That's who Jesus is. I'm not done. Colossians 1, 15 to 20. Jesus is the image of the invisible God. The firstborn of all creation, for by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things. And in him all things hold together. 
And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from among the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. Scriptures don't stop. Hebrews 1, 1 to 3. Long ago, many, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Jesus is God in the flesh who came down to dwell among us. Do you see it? Jesus is the answer to the life you've been trying to figure out. Jesus is the answer to your problems and your sorrows and your cares. Not just because he wants to make your life better, but because Jesus wants you. He wants you. You were created by Jesus and for Jesus. Man is the crowning, is the crown of creation. God made everything in the world, sun and moon and stars and the universe and the earth and the fish and the birds and the bears and everything. And he said it was good. And when he made man and woman and he was finished, he said, it is very good. You will have dominion over the earth. We are his chosen ones. He wants you. You are his lover, the scriptures tell us. You are his bride. You are his beloved. His chosen one. You are the one whom he adores. You are the one whom he cherishes. You are the one He bestows his divine love upon. If he didn't think much of you, he wouldn't have gone to the cross for you. He wouldn't have gone through the shame and the agony and the pain. But he loves you. What is it about Jesus that is so different from everything else? Again, because out of all that he created, the heavens and the earth and the sky and the seas and the mountains and the valleys and the flowers and the trees, he chose you to be his beloved. So, stop fighting against him. Stop trying to replace him. 
Stop trying to ignore him. Just let Jesus love you. Let's pray. God, words of our language don't do justice to your love. And that's why you had to send Jesus in the flesh to prove to us through his life, through his compassionate heart and his mercy and his healing, through his care for us, not just words, Lord, but he expressed in deeds and in character who you are and how much you love us. And it wasn't, Lord, that he just lived a great life and passed away, but he lived this life to show us who you are. But then to walk to that cross. That's how much Jesus loves us. That is why Jesus changes everything. That's why he is able to transform towns and cities and schools and communities. Lord, we, we come and we bow before you. Because you have sent Jesus to bring much joy. May we believe that Jesus can do this, that he has done it, that he is doing it. And again, we thank you and we worship you alone. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.